Hi, this is Michael Buffer, and welcome to the Box Hard Podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Mikey Garcia. Yo, it's your boy, the odd guy himself, Malik King Scott. Hi, I'm Charlie Edwards. This is Fast Eddie Chambers, and you're listening to the Box Hard Podcast with my main man, Joey Coastman. Hello everybody and welcome to episode 68 of the Box Hard Podcast. I'm your host Joey Coastman. This week I'm not joined by Ayaz Sumra, the ever elusive Ayaz Sumra. Uh, he's a little bit ill so uh, he couldn't join me today. So um, you know, we wish him all the best in his recovery but until then it's just me and you so please stay with me. I'm going to try to whiz through this week's show. It's a bit annoying when you haven't got anybody to talk to, to bicker back and forth. It's a little bit difficult to do the show but I'm going to try and get through it best I can. I've done it. Uh, plenty of times now without eyes. So, yeah, we're going to start with part one. Part one is where we review the fights from last week. You should know that by now. We're going to start with a card that took place over in the Fantasy Springs Casino in Indio, California. This bill, I actually didn't watch, so I'm not going to go into loads of detail because I, I'll be honest, I didn't watch the fight. I as, uh, was supposed to watch this fight, and he did watch this fight, but he's not here to let us know what happened. So, um, top of the bill over there, Francisco Vargas, the WBC World Super Featherweight Champion, put his belt on the line and his undefeated record on the line against Miguel Burchelt, who had a record of 30-1 and with 27 knockouts. Uh, Francisco Vargas, we know he's a bit of a warrior, 23-0, two draws. Um... This fight, by all accounts, was you know a good a good fight to be honest. Um, you know a lot of well to be honest, it was a bit gory. You know when I say a good fight, I don't mean great competitive boxing. I mean it was one-sided in most parts. I think maybe the second half of the fight, but uh, it, it was a bit bloody and a bit gory, and that's the way that Vargas seems to fight. You know he is a bit of a dogfighter. Um, obviously being the champion he came into this fight with a lot of confidence but Vargas was cut on the bridge of the nose in round 3 that one was bleeding pretty heavily and also he was cut uh, on the right eye in round 4 so a lot of blood as I say I believe he was also cut again on his left eye um, from an accidental headbutt also in round 4 so a lot of blood flowing within 4 rounds Um, ultimately Miguel Burchell actually stopped the champion in the 11th round it was obviously scheduled for 12 being it a world title fight and uh, he was stopped standing but he goes down as a KO with the California boxing rules so um, Francisco Vargas dethroned Miguel Burchell the new WBC world super featherweight champion but uh, a good result for him Um, definitely one where I felt he was the underdog but Hey, it goes to show what I know. Also on that bill, Takashi Mura moved to 31 professional wins. He's, of course, got the three losses and the two draws. He took on Miguel Roman, who's a very experienced guy. 67 fights under his belt before this one, but uh, it wasn't to be for him. Uh, Miguel Roman got KO'd in round 12, so very unlucky not to make the distance, but... As the fight went on in the later stages, he seemed to decline quite a bit. Uh, Moura actually knocked Roman down in round 10, 11, and 12. He was counted out in the, in the you know in the 12th round, obviously. So a KO win there for Takashi Moura. A good win for him. Also on the bill, Saddam Ali picked up his 24th career win with a KO in round three over Jorge Silva. Silva was down in round one as well. Um, so a good win there for Saddam Ali. And that's really it for that bill. That bill, um, 
not too much going on on, on that bill, but uh, by all accounts, again, it was it was very um, you know a lot was going on. It was very it seemed to have more action apparently than um, the Carl Frampton bill, which we're about to talk about now, or I'm about to talk about now. Uh, this one happened obviously at the MGM Grand Las Vegas, Nevada, USA. Top of the bill. I'm going to start with it. The Jackal, Carl Frampton, 23-0, putting his WBA Super World Featherweight Championship on the line against the former holder of this belt, Leo Santa Cruz. Leo Santa Cruz, 32-1 with the one draw. That one loss coming to Carl Frampton. So he was here to avenge the loss. He was here to get one back. And hopefully, if he was to get one back, we will see a rubber match. And it was that way. It was that way. Carl Frampton lost a majority decision over 12 rounds. Uh, that means, obviously, that one judge gave it a draw and two judges gave it to Leo Santa Cruz. The judges had it pretty close. Um, I think one card might have been um, a little bit far apart, perhaps. I can't remember the judges' cards now, if I'm, if I'm being honest. But, yeah, the draw, I mean, I can't see that. You know, as much as I really wanted Carl Frampton to win... I couldn't see that. I didn't actually score it. I do score most fights, but I didn't actually score it, so I don't have a scorecard. But it seemed like, as we were getting in the later rounds, maybe 8, 9, 10, 11, I just didn't feel the need to score it. I really thought that Leo Santa Cruz was actually getting more into his rhythm as the fight went on. I didn't feel that that, that Carl Frampton's power was bothering him. It just... It wasn't a good enough Carl Frampton, and it was a really good Leo Santa Cruz. He decided to use all of his physical abilities to, to get him the win. We didn't see him use them to his advantage in the first fight too much. But uh, one thing I do want to note in that fight, in the middle rounds, um, say like 4, 5, 6, 7, Leo was actually landing almost only body shots, and... This was a good idea. There wasn't too many body shots being thrown by Leo in the first fight. He was really targeting that body of Carl Frampton. And, um, you know, it seemed to pay dividends. Carl Frampton did look a little bit tired during the, the latter rounds. I will be honest, though. I don't really like to score 10-10 rounds, but I did think there was a couple in the early part of the fight. I know people are criticising the Sky team, but I did actually have a couple of 10-10s. It was very hard. It was just, you know, where where there's like a round and... Like one punch may sway it, and you just don't know whether you can score that a 10 9. You know, it was just they were so close, some of the rounds could have gone either way, and I just had to give it 10 10. I think I may have had two um, 10 10s, maybe three, but they all kind of took place within the first four or five rounds. It was it was very close during those rounds. There, Leo Santa Cruz was counter punching and using his jab very well throughout the fight. No one necessarily dictating the pace more than the other one. You know, they were taking turns in the center of the ring. Um, you know, last 10 seconds of, of many of the rounds, Leo Santa Cruz would go all out and try to influence like a possible tight round to score in his favor in front of the judges. And um, Carl would actually do the complete opposite. He kept dropping his hands and slipping and evading everything that Santa Cruz threw. And to be honest, he was doing pretty well. You know, he was doing well. And to the hardcore boxing fan it, you know it's impressive to be honest rather than uh, an onslaught of flurries of punches I like to see someone dodge them all out of the way you know to, to evade all of them is very very impressive for me um, even more so than the, than the you know than the flurry that that Leo Santa Cruz was putting together but some of those punches were landing Carl was evading them very well but not all of them and um, you know you can't 
you can't, you can't you can't score the last 10 seconds of any of those rounds to Carl Frampton because every time he was letting Santa Cruz do the same thing, I thought maybe he was going to let him do it a couple of times and surprise him and throw some sort of counter or some big uppercut or something like that, but no, it didn't come. So um, for me, as I say, I didn't score the fight, but I definitely think the rightful winner won the fight, in my opinion. So Leo Santa Cruz now 33-1. and one. He's avenged his loss, and of course he's got that one draw. He's the new WBA Super World Featherweight Champion again. Uh, Carl Frampton loses his title. He also loses his undefeated record, so he's now 23-1. and one. And I really hope we do see the rematch. I really hope we do see the third Um it would be great if it could happen over in Northern Ireland, you know, over in, um, well, not even just Northern Ireland, anywhere in Ireland. It would be brilliant for uh, for Carl Frampton. I think that the supporters, and if anybody's listening on this show who went over there to uh, to Las Vegas, you know, you're a credit to the sport. You really are, because it was fantastic. I remember seeing um, a, a video of, of the weigh-in, and everybody was singing um, Sweet Caroline, all the travelling Irish and Northern Irish fans and it was just unbelievable you know you guys really really did us proud out there it was a pleasure it is a pleasure to be part of the British boxing scene it truly is but that's it for the main event we're going to go down now to the chief support um, Dijon Zlatichanin I think that's how you say it or Zlatichanin I've um, heard a few different pronunciations he put his WBC world lightweight title on the line against Mikey Garcia now Zlatichanin 22-0 you know he's a big puncher Mikey Garcia, 35-0 and going into this fight. He's a big puncher too. The only thing that I thought before the fight, and I said it on last week's show, I wasn't too sold on the fact that Mikey Garcia was just going to blow him out of there. A lot of people thought that this was a bit of a mismatch. Listen, Mikey Garcia, I love him to bits. He is a brilliantly, brilliantly talented fighter. He is a proper, legitimate, elite fighter. In world boxing, in the pound for pound boxing status, you know, he is a brilliant fighter. But the inactivity is one thing that you just cannot ignore. And he had that one fight on the comeback against Rojas, and, you know, Rojas was a former world champion, and he beat him, you know, he knocked him out, but he did look a little bit rusty. He was being hit himself, and I really thought that Rojas wouldn't be able to lay a glove on Mikey. And even though he got the knockout win, I really thought that it was just a little bit, um, I don't know, a little bit lackluster. It seems weird, but he just he, he wasn't overly impressive. He got the job done, but it was a bit shaky during some moments of that fight. So against Zlatan Chanin, who was in fantastic form, I really thought it was going to be a good fight. I wasn't saying that Zlatan Chanin was going to win. I definitely wanted Mikey to win, and I thought he would win, to be honest. But I definitely thought it was going to be a competitive fight. And if I was a betting man, the odds on Zlaty Chanin to get the win were quite attractive, to be honest, because Zlaty Chanin was massively, massively overlooked in this fight by most people. And as I say, I really thought it was going to be a pretty close-ish fight, but that was not the case at all. He was dominated severely. In the third round, he was knocked out viciously, okay? You know, straight away, I was worried about the health of Zlaty Chanin. Straight away, it was almost like he was dead. That was honestly what it was like. And I thought that I could maybe be the only one who shared that opinion. 
but I've listened to a couple of other boxing podcasts this week and um, some people are saying the same thing you know it really did look like he was dead he was absolutely rendered unconscious it was a brilliant brilliant uppercut from Mikey Garcia Uh, the uppercut is one of my favourite punches so he landed the uppercut right underneath the guard you know up through the middle and wham he hit him so so good I think he then maybe even followed up with a left hook, which wasn't really needed. Um, Zlatan Chenin then kind of, you know, the punch momentum made him turn his back to Garcia, and as soon as he turned back round, he walked straight into a, a, you know, a straight right, which put him out, and that was the end of that. You know, it was a brutal knockout from Mikey Garcia. He announces himself on the world scene yet again. He's a three-time freeweight world champion, the new WBC world lightweight champion. Of course, he's now 36 and 0, and I've got to say so. Um, you know. He's got two good wins against world champions since he's come back to the sport. I just want to see him a tiny bit more active this year, which I believe he will be. And, you know, he's already in my top five pound for pound, I think. I think he's a brilliant, he's a beast. He's a tremendous fighter. He really, really is. And, you know, he will fight anyone. I truly believe that. He does not duck anyone. He's a serious warrior. He's got every tool. He's the complete package. I think Mikey Garcia is a world beater. And if if it can somehow happen, I really wish it did happen during that little time while Mikey Garcia was out of the ring. If somehow he could have caught um, Terence Crawford at 135, that would have been brilliant. Obviously, Terence Crawford now um, com- campaigned mostly at, at uh, 140 lately. It looks as though he's moving up to 147, so I don't think that fight's going to happen, but I would love it to happen, even if he is at 140. But uh, Mikey Garcia... An absolute credit to the sport. Brilliant sportsmanship after as well. Robert Garcia, uh, his brother and also his trainer, former world champion in his own right. He was straight over there when um, when Zlatan Chenin got up on his you know up on his feet after about five minutes, and um, he was cutting the tape off of his gloves so he could get his hands out. And um, it was brilliant sportsmanship from Mikey Garcia. You know, he told him that listen, once a champion, always a champion. He wished him the best of luck, and he's a he's such a humble guy. I was saying this to a friend of mine the other day. He's got all the skills in the world. He could be a proper flashy fighter and a household name. You know, do like maybe don't be as bad as Adrian Broner, but he could start going on all flashy, and he could make some serious money if he started acting like that. But he doesn't. He's He's not a household name. He's not a well-known boxer at all. But he is truly one of the best boxers in the world. And he's an absolute credit to the sport. He really is. One of the sport's many, many nice guys. But a true, true gentleman. And uh, it's always a pleasure speaking to him. As I say, we had him on the show a couple weeks back. But um, that's really it for the Chief Support. Also on that bill, Ivan Redcatch moved to 20 professional wins. He picked up a TKO in round 8. It was only scheduled for round 8, so he got the job done just in time. His record now 20-2 and two with one draw. His opponent, uh, Dermond Brock, who had a record of 13-3, and three, now 13-4 and four with one draw. Josh Taylor was also on the bill. Um, the Scot moved to 8-0 and oh with a unanimous decision over 8 rounds against Alfonso Olvera, who had a record of 8-2 and two with one draw. But um, Josh Taylor, really, really, uh, I don't want to be overly critical. I know he's a class boxer, I really know that, but he was not very good. You know, it's as simple as that. It's, that's the open and shut of it. He was not very good. It was a very boring fight. He let the other guy win maybe two or three rounds 
without really throwing anything. He, he was not impressive at all. It was he was such a boring fight. And um, yeah, he moves to eight and zero. I guess it's a good win for him overseas and all that. But no, it wasn't very impressive at all. Definitely not a marketable fight. Um, you know whatsoever. Uh, also on that bill, David Benavides. We know he's a good prospect. Some people say the best prospect in world boxing. I'm not so sure I'd agree with that. But he picked up an impressive KO in round two over Sharali Mamajunov, who had a record of 14 and one. Now 14 and two. And David Benavides, 17 and 0. Uh, his opponent, as I say, Mamajunov. He was also down in the first round as well as the second. So yeah, definitely keep our eyes peeled on David Benavides's future for sure. And uh, that's really it for Las Vegas. There's one last fight to mention that happened over in China on Sunday at the Kote Arena. This one went under the radar massively. Uh, heavyweight Carlos Takam, last time out, obviously lost to Joseph Parker. He put his... Well, no, it wasn't his title. It was actually a vacant IBF Intercontinental Heavyweight title. His record 33-3 and with one draw. He actually picked up a win over Marcin Rakowski, who has a record of 17-4. and uh, This was a fourth-round KO victory for Takam. Now, we know Takam's a good, tough, solid fighter at heavyweight. Uh, his record now 34 wins, obviously. And Rakowski is a guy that actually lost, I believe it was in 2013 or 2012, 2014, sometime within the last four years or so, Rakowski actually lost, and I'm going to throw it back now, to Oliver McCall, okay, he actually went on to avenge that defeat to Oliver McCall, but we know, you know, God knows how old he is now, but um, yeah, Rakowski, you know, I'm not so sure how good he is. He's been in there with some guys who are way past it and just scraped a win or even a loss to them. So, um, yeah, good win there for Takam, I suppose. 34 wins now, as I say. And that's really it for the reviewing. There is no more fights to review. Uh, that's really it for that. Ayaz is not here with this week's news. So when we begin part two, just after we spoke to our first guest, part two will consist of the preview part and this week's news. So the last thing we've got to do before we end part one, of course, is to welcome guest number one. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome a young boxing trainer, slowly picking up more and more knowledge every day. He's also the secret tool behind a handful of our best talent in the UK. It's, of course, Mr. Jimmy Mac Jr. Jimmy, welcome to the show. How's that for an intro? Oh, thank you very much, mate. It's, uh, it's, it's nice to, uh, to be introduced like that. It's really nice, mate. Thank you very much. <laughs> It's my pleasure, man. Now, Jimmy, I'm going to ask you what's next for everyone that you're training at the moment. But first, what is your reaction to James DeGaulle and Badu Jack? Obviously, you know, you was out there with James. It ended up being a draw. Fair verdict? Well, at the time, um, when the fight um, had just finished, I thought, do you know what? With, it, was a, it was a hard fight. It was a close fight. And um, like, especially with the knockdown in the last round, I was thinking, oh, no, like being on a Mayweather show here in America with three American judges and an American referee, I was thinking, is it going to be one of them nights? But uh, on the night, like, that was it. They both went away. They both kept their belts. And I thought, you know, that was probably, like, like fair at the time. But since I've come back and watched it, I've watched it, like, five or six times now, and I had James winning by two rounds. So I agree with the first judge to actually give the... give give. Give, give it to James by two rounds. Um, a lot of the rounds, there was like, it was what you liked. It was what um, what you were scoring. Was it James's like flurry of clusters or was it Badu Jack sort of like, like he, was, he was landing sort of like accurate shots to the body or 
You know what I mean? And he was using his physical like presence or whatever. But um, ultimately, when I come back, I scored it to James by two rounds, and I've I've watched it a couple of times, and I've scored it exactly the same. So um, yeah, and then like people I'm talking to out, some people are going, well, you know, I thought that was a fair result, a draw with the knockdown, I'd have, like I'd have had him winning. And other people have said like, yeah, like I thought like James should have still got the nod. I've had I've, I've had no no one sort of come up to me and say they thought, you know, look they edged it to Badu Jack or anything. So it's one of them ones really. But the main thing is. He's still IBF world champion, and that's the main thing. He's still champion of the world. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, we know that James. You know, he, he took on a nutritionist for that fight. We knew that he he, he introduced a, nutrition, a nutritionist to his camp, and we know that he looked in brilliant yeah. physical shape. Probably the best shape I've ever, I've ever seen him in, to be honest. Um, yeah. He still seemed yeah. to fade away during the mid rounds, which we've seen him do before. When he does this, obviously he allows his opponent to win a few of them rounds and it all ends up kind of finishing a bit nervy. You kind of don't know what's going to happen, especially, as you say, on these away cards that he keeps fighting on. Obviously, you see him train day in, day out. By all accounts, he's super fit. Why does he do that? Is it mentally? What what is it? Why does he fade away from the mid-rounds? With the Durrell fight, it was almost sort of like he sort of took his foot off the gas because he was sort of had the knockdown early and... You know, Darrell come back into the fight, and he was very good technically. Um, with the Medina fight, it was just a just a, a case of just like with with like all due respects to Porky Medina, James just basically felt he wasn't in his class, which is you know a dangerous move, especially boxing at that level. They're there for a reason, and he, he, he could just show when James wanted to put his foot on the gas, he could do what he pretty much wanted with Medina. And with the Badu Jack fight. What actually happened is he sort of got thrown off a little bit when his teeth come out. It was nothing to do with him fading. He was in the corner, and he rather, rather than him actually saying to myself, do you know what, this is what I've got to be doing, this is what I've got to be doing, it was like, he's knocked my teeth out. How many teeth he knocked out? But Yeah, but how many, though? Yeah, but no, but Jim, how many teeth he knocked out? Don't worry, I've got them in my pocket. All right, yeah, yeah, all right. Sweat. But so it was a lack of... It was sort of threw him a couple of rounds, like the, the teeth and all that, and obviously he sort of went towards him a little bit. And um, just sort of, like, basically played him at his own game, which was, like, mad at the time. But in them sort of fights, and, like, you, you sometimes do get dragged in. You ain't going to have it all your own way. And I thought, if anything, I thought Badu Jack was fading. And James actually finished the 10th and 11th really strong and then come out at the start of the 12th and was started well. And obviously with a knockdown, that gave Badu Jack, the, you know, that, that push to, like, right, let's, let's really, like, try and, like, like get it done now. And um, and at the end of the, at near the end of the round, last fifteen twenty seconds, James come firing back at him. So his um, his fitness was spot on. Um, but yeah, other than his teeth falling out, which threw him for a bit, that was um, that was a bit of a bit of a mare. And uh, another thing that was um, a little bit like well, we didn't notice at the time, they was actually getting Badu Jack's team was actually getting the official scores in between rounds. So Mayweather was actually telling him how he was getting on on the scorecard. So he knew going into that last round that he needed a knockout to win. So I'm guessing, like, if we, listen, if we'd have known the scores, we'd have just said, listen, just go out and run. You, you ain't got to do nothing. Just go out and run. You've won it unanimously. So, um, yeah, it was just one of them, really. Jesus, yeah, that is bad. Obviously, after that fight, you know, uh, Jack, Jack's vacated the WBC, which is 
bit frustrating. I'm sure that um, James is yeah. probably not too happy about that. I know he straight away wanted that rematch. And from the American point of view, I've read a lot of people online from, from the US who are giving um, James some serious credit. You know, he did himself proud out there. He fought like a warrior. Uh, again, in that 12th round, you know, yeah. no one no one saw that knockdown coming, and he was just, it wasn't like he was hurt, just, it was like he was exhausted, because it had been such a dogfight, and for him to get up and still finish strong yeah. was just, you know, it's just amazing. Um, obviously, now we're unlikely yeah. to see the rematch, which would have been nice. It looks like Callum yeah. Smith could be fighting Anthony Durrell for the, for the vacant title. Should yeah. that fight come off, who do you see winning yeah. that one, Jimmy? I think it's a... Um... It's a hard one to call, really. I think, I think a big, a big plus for for both of them is where the fight actually is. If the fight's in America, I don't know. Like, I don't know how Callum Smith boxes away from home. I don't know how he travels. But if the fight's in Liverpool, I will give him a, a, a like a, an excellent chance. The only thing is with Callum Smith, no one knows how good or how not good he actually is because the the fighters on his record, like the best fighters on his record so far, Rocky Fielding, Rabras and Mohammedi, and they're all sort of like, you know, British, fringe, sort of European to world level, but he hasn't boxed anyone where you go, I don't think he might win this. Do you know what I'm saying? There's a few people out there where you go, do you know what? I don't know. And listen, he might be the real deal. And I, I think he will. I, I, if, I, I, if I had to put money on it, I'd say I'd back Callum Smith to win. But at the, but at the moment, it's time. It's the unknown because no one knows just how good he is. Is he world-class? We're going to... We're going to see. We're going to find out. Yeah, definitely an intriguing fight, that one. Um, I know he fought over in the States before he got he got an early knockout, but again, he wasn't against you know an opponent of note or anything like that. Yeah. Right, I want to ask you yeah. about your, your yeah. other guys that you're looking after. I want to, I want to know what's yeah. going on with Reese Belletti. When's he out next? I told you about the time when he gave up his, his seat for Raj, didn't I? <laughs> yeah, that's right, yeah. Reese is boxing on the 17th of March at York Hall. Um, I don't know how much I'm allowed to say, so I'll just sort of like basically just put it like I think he's he's topping the bill, um, and I'm not really allowed. I don't know whether I'm allowed to say what it is That's or what fine. it's for, and this, that, and the other. So I'll just say he's, he's topping the bill, and it'll be in a um, in a in a good good domestic fight. Yeah, that's fine. And Jake Ball, obviously, he's out on the uh, on the March yeah. card as well, from my understanding. Uh, I was ringside yeah. at his last fight, a bad shock loss, um, uh, you know, yeah. a, a big upset knockout. It was it was crazy because the whole venue went quiet. You could hear a pin drop when that happened. It was such a shock. Yeah. And, um, yeah, yeah, I mean, in, in a way, I'm, I'm I'm quite happy that he's 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 sort of wanted to get straight back out to try and you know get back to form because he had some yeah. good momentum going at that point. So just quickly on the um, yeah. it, well, just reflecting on that loss, he, he come early, obviously first round, and now how quick he wants to bounce back in and get get you know another couple wins under his belt. How's he doing? Yeah, do you know what Jake Jake's a Jake's a good kid. He um, obviously going into that fight like we was obviously really like extremely confident that. Like at this stage of their careers, that you know, like you can just like you can turn up and beat these people, but you know, like that that always isn't the case, um, as as it showed on the night. Um, Jake said, you know, like before he had he he spoke things through before with like Eddie and stuff, and, you know, looking at future plans and stuff, and was looking ahead as to what is down the line as to opposed to what is actually in front of me now. 
Um, and at the start of the round, it sort of, you know, it come out, it was quick, pretty quick. I think Jake hit him with a good backhand and he sort of like wobbled a little bit and he's he's jumped on it and, and tried to finish the job early rather than, yeah. you know, really like have a look at him and like, and think, is he ready to go or whatever? He's just, he's jumped, he's jumped on him, tried to, to take him out like early in style and um, and end up getting caught with one himself. And uh, obviously it went, went a bit mad and he went, he ended up over the ropes and back in and he got hit on the way over the ropes. So he sh- should have maybe been allowed to uh, get a bit of time to recover or whatever. But, you know, like no complaints. He um, He's back in now. He's uh, he's back training really well. And um, we're just waiting to see like whether he's going to have, he'll probably have a six or an eight rounder just at York or whatever. And um, yeah, we're just waiting now. No opponent confirmed yet, but yeah, he's um, it'd be fine. He'd come back and uh, I'm sure everyone will see what he's, uh, what he's capable of. Yeah, I definitely agree with what you said there. He, he, that was exactly what happened. People forget that. He hit him with a good shot, and he, he was in trouble. And I think I've seen Jake do it a couple of times now. When he gets someone hurt, he jumps straight in, you know. He doesn't really take his Bang. time. He, he literally him. just goes all guns blazing, you know. And it's worked for him so far, but he yep. got caught with a counter, and that was it. It all just turned. So uh, he was quite unlucky there, but That's people it. forget that. Um yeah, so I just want to know about this other fighter you've got. You've got a guy called, um, I think his name, I'm going to try to pronounce his name properly, Florin Cardos. He's a guy that, uh, he's not known too yeah. much, but you say he's a, he's, he's a good talent. Yeah, Florin Cardos, actually, we've, been, we've, been, we've had Florin for about, I'd say, it must be close to a year now. And um, he boxed over in Romania, and uh, he come over here, he was, he was 14-0, and and he had a, a title the WBC Mediterranean. It, it ain't like a... But it gives you sort of like a, a recognition or whatever. And basically, he come over, he's come over to England to sort of like, you know, fulfil his dreams because he's seen how good the boxing is over here. And um, our first fight with him, he actually, uh, we had a bit of a slip up. Same same sort of thing. He's absolutely toying with this kid. Like, was, was pinging him about. Got caught with a shot. Went at a bit of a wobble. And um, the kid sort of jumped on it and the referee like, stopped the fight. Um, since then, he's had... Um, He's had he's had three fights. He's come back nice and strong. He's had three good wins. Um, people don't know much about him, but he's a he's a light welterweight. He's a he's predominantly a, a southpaw, but he's a he's an orthodox fighter as well. And um, yeah, he's a really really exciting kid. He, uh, he's got a big following, like being Romanian. He's got a lot of fans that come out to watch him box and whatever. And um, you know, it'd be nice if he could you know get a bit of exposure on on a big show because. I know he's he's got the the talent and the skill to, to to do really well. This kid, it's just it's hard for him, obviously being over here from um, you know a foreign country like Romania to to live in England because I suppose promoters over here think, well, who is this kid and you know like what can he do and like how many tickets can he sell and this that and the other. But he really is a good a good fighter and um, yeah, it's just exciting to see what's going to happen really. So as long as he keeps winning, I'm sure people will start to uh, to find out about him. Brilliant stuff, yeah. At the end of the day, you know, we'll see his actions. His actions will speak louder than his words, and all that, and um, it will all come together in the end if he's, if he's as good as what he is. Um, final question for you now, Correct. for you now, Jimmy. I've got to ask you this. I'm asking everybody this, to be honest. A fight that's really caught my attention. Yes, mate. It's uh, very intriguing. Anthony Joshua against Vladimir Klitschko. Yeah. It is a very intriguing fight. It's um. It's obviously Anthony Joshua's biggest test right now. Up until now, he's not really been tested. His hardest fight was obviously the Dylan White fight. And I think that fight's made him sort of go away and really think, you know what, I've got to do this, I've got to put this right, put that right. And since the Dylan White fight, 
he's he's had everything his own way really. He's beat he obviously beat Charles Martin like easily. Um he like boxed Brazil, beat Brazil easy. Then he's boxed um Molina the other week, so he's like and like, obviously dealt with him easy. So since the Dylan White fight he's not been in a proper fight. This fight I don't know how it's gonna go because Klitschko's not boxed for sort of like eighteen months since he's boxed Fury. And since then, obviously, Joshua's had three fights, so he's been active. Um, that could be a big part of the fight, just Joshua's activity. But I think right now, the stages they're both at in their careers, I think the timing's right right now for Anthony Joshua to, to beat Vladimir Klitschko. And I think Anthony Joshua will probably stop him between five and eight rounds, somewhere there. He could start off cagey, Klitschko's experience, he could get behind his jab. But Joshua just looks so fast on his feet, like he lets his hands go, and I just don't know how Klitschko is going to take it, and I just I can't I can't see anything else but Anthony Joshua winning in about five to eight rounds. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, no, we're hearing most mostly that to be honest. A lot of people, I don't think we spoke to anyone on the show who gives uh, Klitschko a chance really right now. To be honest, this uh, it seems to be a popular yeah. outcome, yeah. Jimmy. It's- this is a thing with with Anthony Joshua as well. It's a lot of pre- it's a lot of pressure for him because obviously people are saying, "Ah, no, you'll be all right. You'll smash him. You'll smash him. You'll smash him." But that that, that that's a lot of pressure on his shoulders. Don't forget, like in in Josh Joshua knows he's stepping up now to the to the big league. Like after this one, they're talking of Deontay Wilder and if, even if Fury's back, so he's he's at that level now where he knows it's going to be tough. He knows like they're not. Charles Martin, they're not Dominic Brazil, they're not Molina. You're getting in with Klitschko. Whether what Klitschko's got anything left, we'll soon find out on the night. But that aura of actually getting in with Klitschko is completely different. In front of, I think they've done 90,000 tickets at Wembley now. So it's a lot of pressure for him. Don't forget, he's the golden boy right now, British boxing. He's coming out, there's a lot of pressure on his shoulders. Like he's fighting Klitschko in his backyard and everyone's saying he's going to win. So now it's, it's time for him to, uh, to go out there and deliver. And um, I'm 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 really confident he will. Yeah, what a fight! Cannot wait. But listen, Jimmy, it's always a pleasure speaking to you, my friend. It really is. Thank you so much for giving Thank me you very much, time Joe. today. As a, as a, as always, I wish you no the best of luck for you and your fighters. Say hello to everyone in the gym for me, please, and we'll catch up, no doubt, again very soon. I will do most certainly, mate. Thank you very much for having me on. Thank you. Okay, now it's time for part two on this week's show. This part, the preview part. But before we get into the preview part, we're going to talk about this week's news. Uh, I, as usually, does the news, but he's not here. So I'm going to try to go through the bits of news that I could gather together. He's really um, better than me, to be honest. But we're going to start with a piece of news. Obviously, we all know that Lee Selby wasn't on the Carl Frampton card because his opponent had um, fouled some kind of blood test it was some i think he had hepatitis b so uh, that's quite quite a serious thing there but i felt very very sorry for lee selby you know it was a, a boyhood dream to be out there in las vegas under the lights and um you know it was taken away from him and it's not only that it's not only the fact that the fight fell through it was just a couple of hours away from happening um you know it was a matter of hours away uh, lee selby obviously you know he he made the weight which, you know, I believe he really kills himself to make the weight. So he did that. Uh, it's all the time. It's all the dieting that you put up with throughout the whole of camp. It's the money that you pay your, you know, your sparring partners that you bring in. And I feel very, very sorry for him. You know, he's he's been quite inactive recently, Lee Selby, and it's not been his own fault. So um, obviously his last fight now was in April 
which was on the Joshua Martin undercard when he took on Eric Hunter. Um, you know, and he didn't look very impressive there. So, yeah, Lee Selby, I know he'll be itching to get back in, and obviously he's in that mix with the likes of Abner Mares, the likes of Leo Santa Cruz, of course, and Carl Frampton. Me personally, I'd like to see uh, Leo Santa Cruz maybe fight Mares in the meantime, and, you know, that'd be a good rematch. And also, a fight here, you know, over here for Britain, Carl Frampton against Lee Selby, and I think the winner should face Leo Santa Cruz. I think that would be brilliant, you know, it really would. I think Frampton's got a good chance against Selby. Um, I would, I'd like Selby to win that fight, if I'm being honest, but I think that's a great fight for Britain, a real um, super fight, and uh, that would be a super fight that Eddie Hearn wouldn't be involved in, not that... You know, not that I want that to happen or anything, or I've got any kind of agenda against Eddie Hearn, but yeah, that would be a real super fight, and uh, that's probably the only super fight that can be made in Britain without any of Eddie Hearn's fighters, off the top of my head, a really big fight, off the top of my head, if I'm wrong, you know where to tweet me, um, also... What do you guys think? I'm going to ask a question here to the listeners. What do you guys think if Lee Selby took on Leo Santa... Oh, sorry, if Lee Selby took on Carl Frampton, who wins that fight? Let us know, at Box Hard Podcast on Twitter. Uh, that's it for the Selby news. There's also news that um, Joseph Parker will be fighting, or should be fighting, Huey Fury. I believe that the purse bids... Um, I think they've, they're going to be going out in the next few days or something. We're looking for some kind of announcement, so keep your ears open and eyes open for that one. Um, also, the same for Kell Brook and Errol Spence. To my understanding, there will be a, um, you know, the purse bids go out on that one, so it'll be interesting to see what happens there. So definitely, again, keep your eyes and ears open for that. There's been a replacement opponent for Deontay Wilder, seeing as his original opponent uh, fouled a drug test. So, Deontay Wilder's replacement opponent is a friend of the show, Gerald Washington. We've had him on a couple of times. Uh, obviously, you know, he's a six foot six, um, undefeated fighter. In his last fight, I believe, I think in his last fight, he took on, I think he might have had one since then, but he got a good win over Eddie Chambers in April of 2016, just last year. And, you know, Washington has really showed no flaws as of yet. It's going to be a good fight. It's going to be on the same date, which Wilder was already penciled in for, which is the 25th of February in Alabama. So um, I know Washington's definitely up for that, and we're going to definitely try to get him on the show within the next couple of shows, just before that fight. And we wish Washington all the best, because he's a brilliant, brilliant guy. He truly is. And there's one last piece of news to bring you. It's the fact that Joe Caldina has signed with... Matchroom Sports and Eddie Hearn, obviously Cordina, you know, being in the 2016 Rio Olympics and, uh, you know, obviously he didn't have the best tournament, but he was a fantastic amateur, a real good fighter. I know that Joshua Boazzi actually reckons that he was the best out of the uh, the men at the Team GB Olympics uh, in Rio, obviously out of the GB team. So, um, a bit of credit there from Buatzi and uh, yeah, Caldina's definitely a great talent and I'm looking forward to see how his future unfolds with Eddie Hearn who's probably the best man to have hold of him to be honest, so uh, definitely great stuff for British boxing but that's really it for the news part Again, I'm, I'm not the best at the news, but uh, I hope that I did that pretty well for you. Now it's time for the previewing. Now this week, there are not too many fights. There's one fight happening on Thursday at the Horseshoe Casino 
in Mississippi, USA. We're going to start with this one. One fight to mention on this bill. Sammy Vasquez, 21-1. and He's in a 10-rounder at welterweight against Louis Colazzo, 36-7. This is obviously a fight where it's a young guy coming up, Sammy Vasquez. Obviously, you know, he lost just recently, which, you know, kind of put a bit of a... Uh, spanner in the works for him because he had some great momentum, a couple good wins under his belt. And Louis Colazzo's the tricky veteran, he's been around for ages. Um, you know, he fought Ricky Hatton, he fought Amir Khan, he's a tricky old cat. Obviously, he's a southpaw as well, so that could pose a couple of problems to Vasquez. But um, I like these kinds of fights when there's an old guy in there, um, an experienced, tricky guy against a young lion. I like these types of fights. It's a crossover fight, and uh, it's the type of fight that. It's either going to be the perfect time for the young guy, or it's going to be <laughs> the worst time for the young guy, and the old cat is going to bring something back and have another big pop at something. So, great fight there, and I'm looking forward to that one. Uh, that's it for Thursday. Also this week at the Colesio Roberto Clemente in San Juan, Puerto Rico. Top of the bill, Felix Verdejo. He's defending his WBO Latino lightweight title. Another defense of this belt. Uh, in a 10-round contest, his record 22-0. He takes on Oliver Flores, who has a record of 27-2 with two draws. Flores is actually a tough guy. I've seen him fight once or twice before. But um, Vadejo, we know he's a good talent, and I believe that he should probably just get the job done here pretty routine. Um, also, on the Friday of this week, so that is going to be Friday the 3rd of February... Joshua Franco, we've talked about him for quite a while. He's a good prospect out of the Garcia gym. He is taking on Victor Pasilias, who has a record of 8-6 and six with two draws. Obviously, Joshua Franco hasn't been a pro for too long. He's 8-0 at the moment. He looks to move to 9-0. and uh, That one's at Super Flyweight. It's an 8-rounder. This one's at the Belasco Theatre in Los Angeles, California, by the way. Also on this bill, another favorite youngster of ours, Hector Tanahara. He's a good fighter. He looks to move to 8-0. He's in a 6-rounder, a lightweight against Baltazar Ramirez, who has a record of 3-2. and two. Also on this bill... Um, Jonathan Navarro looks to move to 8-0. He's in a six-rounder against Angel Rodriguez at super lightweight. And uh, Edgar Valerio is also on the bill. He looks to move to double figures, 10-0. Uh, Ryan Garcia also gets out again. His record at the moment, 7-0. So great stuff for the youngsters here. It truly is. And there's one weird fight I wanted to mention. This is one that I came across happening over in Australia. There's a guy making his debut on this card. It's not no one that... Uh, you'd have heard of, obviously. It's uh, it's a fighter. He's actually well. I'm going to announce his opponent first. His his opponent's name is Marlon Toby, who's got a record of seven wins, 34 losses, and two draws. He's taking on a man making his debut. His name is Tyson Best. Okay, so there's no need to ask him who his favourite fighter is at all. Uh, this one actually struck. You know, it caught my eye. It struck my attention because it's actually happening at one of the strangest venues I have ever seen, to be honest. This one is actually happening in Australia, in Queensland, at the McDonald's Basketball Courts. And that is the type of venues that I like to hear about. It truly is. But that's it for Australia. We wish Tyson best, all the best of luck. Um, Dmitry Chudinov gets out in the Dynamo Palace of Sports in Moscow, Russia. He's a record 19-1 and with two draws. We know who gave him that one loss. It was Chris Eubank Jr. Uh, he hasn't really fought anybody of note since then. He's taken on Zoltan Pap, who has a record of 14-3 and with one draw. So all the best to Dmitry Chudinov. Uh, that's it for Russia. Now the big one. 
I suppose it is the big one. It's the ITV pay-per-view card. This one happening at the Olympia, Kensington, London, United Kingdom. Top of the bill, Reynold Quinlan, 11-1. The IBO World Super Middleweight Champion. Um, he's putting his belt on the line. Remember, you know, you can make what you want of the IBO world title. You can say it's a world title, a genuine world title if you want. Uh, you can say it's not. For me, it certainly isn't a genuine world title. So, uh, you know, it's a shame that this is being referred to by the Eubanks as a genuine world title. You know, it's it's, it's a bit disgraceful if, if, if I'm being honest. The thing that frustrates me most about Chris Eubank Jr. is he is super talented. I think if that fight against Billy Joe Saunders went a few more rounds, he could have stopped Billy Joe Saunders. And I love Billy Joe Saunders, you know? But I think Chris Eubank Jr. is such a good talent. He's one of the, you know, his he's fighting style is he's, he's so watchable. It's TV friendly, it's exciting, but I just don't like these fights he's in. And I just don't know how long he's going to be fighting guys like this, you know? No disrespect to Reynold Quinlan. He got a good win over Daniel Gill. You know, he knocked him out. But, you know, that was a washed-up Daniel Gill. And he'll be the first to admit it. And Reynold Quinlan, he just hasn't fought anyone else apart from that. But, you know, hopefully he can bang a bit. Hopefully he makes it a bit exciting. Because Chris Eubank Jr. really should walk all over him here. Uh, Chris Eubank Jr. obviously 23-1. and one. There's nothing else really to be said about that fight. I think Chris Eubank Jr. probably stops Quinlan. And, uh... Yeah, that's really it. I can't say no more about it. I, I hope he wins, obviously, you know, being a Brit and all. But uh, I really want to see him in some big fights. And he believes that winning the IBO belt will set up some big fights. So uh, hopefully he's right. Uh, also on this bill, Ardin Diali. He puts his WBC international flyweight title on the line against Andrew Selby. Ardin Diale, 32-10 and 10 with four draws. Andrew Selby, 7-0. and 0. Um, Andrew Selby, obviously, you know, a tremendous talent. Now, Ardin Diale has actually been around for quite a while, okay? He's a former world title challenger. He challenged for the WBO world flyweight title in 2011. Um, he actually got knocked out in the fourth round against Julio Cesar Miranda, who's a good fighter. So he came up short there, but he's also shared the ring with John Real Casemiro, who was 12-0 at the time. He got knocked out in round eight against him. Um, John Real Casemiro, obviously, we know went on to be a good fighter. He's still a good fighter now. Uh, just recently, he defended his belt against Charlie Edwards, and he stopped Charlie Edwards. So he's a bit of a measuring stick for me on this one. The important factor here, or the interesting factor I should say is that John Real Casemiro knocked out Charlie Edwards so John Real Casemiro is a good champ you know he's a good fighter he's a good champion he's the IBF flyweight world champion he got the job done on Ardin Diali in eight rounds if Andrew Selby can do it any quicker then that's definitely a big statement despite that fight between Casemiro and Diali being you know, almost eight years ago now, but it still plays a part, it's still, you know, it's still motivating, it's still interesting, if he can get the job done quicker than John Real Casemiro, then, then that definitely is a statement from Andrew Selby, a brilliant fighter, I cannot wait um, to watch this card, to watch him, to watch a couple of the other fights, I don't think I'm going to be paying for it though, I've got to be honest. I'm hoping there's a stream out there, and I hate doing that. I really, truly do. I don't like streams. I don't like, you know, that it can go down, it can crash. If your connection's not good, it's no good. I don't like that, but this is just 
not for me, not for me. That's all I'll say about it. Also, um, on this build, David Price takes on Christian Hammer. David Price, 21 and 3. Christian Hammer, 20 and 4. Obviously, you know, when this fight got announced before, I said it's a decent fight for David Price, but we saw um, Fury, you know, just play with Christian Hammer, to be honest. You know, he could not get around the jab. Uh, he doesn't really fare up too good against, well, against Fury he didn't because he's so long and he uses his jab well. If David Price can use his jab well, I can't see him getting near him. But also Christian Hammer, if he digs in an overhand right, then we just don't know what's going to happen. So it's always intriguing when David Price steps between the ropes against someone who we actually know. Uh, also on the bill, Kid Galahad, he's 21-0. He puts his record on the line against Joseph Agbeko. Joseph Agbeko, obviously the former... IBF World Bantamweight Champion. So this one is a really good fight for Kid Galahad. I know that he wants to be moved quickly. I know that he's a tremendously uh, talented fighter. He hasn't been back, though, for too long since his ban, since his drug ban. So, um, yeah, he hasn't really fought anybody of note in that time. And he's diving straight in there with Agbeko. Obviously, Agbeko, you know, he's got the record of 31-5. and five. He's got those five losses, but he's never been stopped. Uh, Kid Galahad's not really a hard, hard puncher, but um, Agbeko, you know, he's got wins, he's, he's got a few good wins on his record, obviously, you know, when he became the IBF World Bantamweight Champion, he defended it uh, a couple of times, uh, obviously, he actually beat Vic Darchinian as, as well, and Vic Darchinian only had one loss on his record at that time, well, he's also shared the ring with a few good guys as well, you know, I'm forgetting, he shared the ring twice with Abner Mahrez, both of those fights, um, well, the first fight was very, very close. The second fight, he lost pretty conclusively. Uh, he's also been in there with um, Rigondo, you know. So that one was for uh, the WBA and WBO World Super Bantamweight titles of Rigondo. That one was in 2013, just looking at his record now. So he's been in there and mixed it with, you know, the world's best talent. And, you know, he's come up short a couple of times, but he's also got some good wins. So this is a real true test for Kid Galahad. And for me, it's the most intriguing fight of the card. It really is. So I wish Kid Galahad, also known as the Barry Boy, the best of luck in this one. It's a 12-rounder, obviously, at featherweight, this one. Also on the bill, Adam Etches, 20-1. and one. He takes on John Ryder, 23-3. and three. This one's for the vacant IBF International Super Middleweight title. I absolutely wish the best of luck to both guys. We had them both on the show one week apart a couple of weeks back. So I've spoke to them both. If you haven't listened to that, you can go back on... I tell you what, you should actually go back on YouTube. Check out some of our podcasts on YouTube. They're exactly the same, but what I do is I actually upload, um, you know, every episode goes onto YouTube after it goes out on SoundCloud and wherever else. And when I put it on YouTube, I actually, um, if, you, if you forward past all the, all the rumbling and all that, you can actually skip straight to the interview, and the interviews are... Um, illustrated with a picture of whichever boxer I'm interviewing so it's very clear and easy to see so uh, not a lot of people know that we're actually on YouTube so you can check that out and just jump straight to the interviews but yeah a brilliant fight this one a bit of a trade fight well a bit more than a trade fight to be honest both guys good fighters um, Adam Etches obviously you know with the power John Ryder the boxer yeah it's, it's a good fight and I really truly wish the best of luck to both men they're great guys you know always a pleasure to speak to both of them they've been on the show um, before I last spoke to them as well, you know, they're good good servants to the sport, and uh, yeah, it's a great fight, there's not no 
you know disrespect it's it's true good sportsmanship and it's it's just a good fight it's a true 50-50 in my opinion uh, also on that bill Jordan Gill he gets out again he looks to move to 17 and 0 impressive fighter from the Ingle camp it's a 6 rounder at super featherweight this one I'm pretty surprised to be honest that he's uh, fighting a six rounder, he's already sixteen and zero. Also on this bill, Chris Congo. He looks to move to three and zero. He's in a four rounder at welterweight as well. And that's really it for this week's fights. To be completely honest, that's really it for the previewing. So that's all the talking that I've done. I've had to do it on my own. If you're still with me, thank you very much. The last thing I've got to do before I end the show, essentially, and then part two, of course, is to welcome our second and final guest. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the current British flyweight champion, the current IBF Intercontinental flyweight <coughs> champion, fighting for another title on Saturday night. It's, of course, the talented Andrew Selby. Andrew, welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you for having me on again. Now, Andrew, you're fighting Saturday night on the Eubank Junior undercard against Ardin Diali. Now, Diali's a former world title challenger. Obviously, he challenged for the WBO title in 2011. Despite losing that fight, he knocked the champion down in the very first round. Uh, he's also lost to um, John Real Casemiro, the guy that stopped Charlie Edwards last year. Casemiro dispatched of him in round eight. Aside from that, Andrew, is there anything that you know about him as a fighter at all? All I, all I know is just from YouTube, and it looks like he can bang. Um, he's he looks a bit skillful. He's he's a good opponent, and that's what we want. We want the we want the tough opponents to bring the best out of me. Then yeah, yeah, yeah. I know that you do. And how's how's camp gone this time round? Camp gone good? Yeah, it's gone good. Um, no injuries or nothing. Weight's fine. Had some decent sparring. Went to the the angle gym up in Sheffield did some sparring up there so it's all been good yeah brilliant stuff and um, this guy that you're fighting being stopped by Casimiro in eight rounds I know that you're not going to go in there looking for a knockout but is it in the back of your mind that you'd like to get the job done quicker than Casimiro did um yeah of course well I I, I stood next to him today we had a face off and I felt I felt really big next to him so. I think after the weigh-in, I can refuel it and I'll be really strong because I'm feeling good now and it's the day before the weigh-in. I don't feel weak. So hopefully I can get some good power shots off, but mainly I'm just open for the win in good style. Yeah, good stuff. Just looking Providing good. All... Sorry, what did you say there? I just, I cut you I just, I just want to look good, basically, because it's on TV. Yeah, 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 of course. Now, providing all goes well, how many more fights would you like ideally this year? A lot. Uh, I think they're going to keep me busy. This my my manager Sanaga. I think he wants me to get a world title shot by the end of the year. So I'll be out a lot. I think. Okay, and uh, you know that's good because it's a good time for you. Because I was looking today, and I believe that the two governing bodies that have you ranked the highest. Now, if I'm if I'm wrong, then please let me know. But they are the WBC and the IBF. And currently, both of their world titles are vacant. So a lot could happen in the near future for you. So it's, it's good to yeah, um, for you. I know I know, both of them are vacant, but people are fighting for them soon. Mm. And um, the IBF, they got a good Filipino fighting for them. He's had like 39 and lost one. He's really good. Mm. And then the WBC, I think, is a good Mexican. So... But I, I fight any of the winners, and I fight Shu Shiming. It's just a matter of time getting my ranking up here, so 
so no one can avoid me. Yeah, absolutely. And um, horrible luck for your brother last week. We said it on the show just a minute ago about how it was his dream to fight at Las Vegas and the fight got cancelled just hours before it was set to take place. Heartbreak for him. How is he now and will he be with you at your fight on Saturday? Well, I just got the phone to him now, FaceTime him. He's still in uh, Las Vegas. He's flying early hours tonight, early hours first. He, he's obviously gutted, but... He's, he's back in training and he had a two or three days off he's back in training hoping to get a big fight within the next month or two and he's gonna he's gonna fly to London he, he arrives at two o'clock tomorrow so you miss the weigh-in but he's gonna stay and watch the fight of course brilliant stuff man brilliant stuff yeah, I'd imagine he's desperate to, to get a fight on as soon as possible. Um, as you say, you know, hopefully in the next month or two. I personally wanted to see him, you know, obviously it's not going to be next because Frampton's going to need to rest up a bit, but I think the Frampton uh, fight is, is a real good fight for for, for, um, for Britain. He it would have been perfect timing if, if my brother did fight because yeah, yeah. my brother needs a, a good fight before he gets in the ring of Frampton because he's been a bit inactive. And... Mm. Oh, we was hoping he would obviously win that fight and then get a big showdown with Frampton. Yeah, it would it would have been good, but hey, it might happen in the near future. We have to wait and see. I've got to ask you your thoughts on Kalia Fire picking up a world title at super flyweight. Uh, obviously, you know a guy that you fought a couple times in the amateurs. Do you see yourself moving up to that weight as well by any chance in the near future? Um, yeah. First of all, obviously, I want to congratulate him for winning it. He boxed really well. I watched the fight. I'm definitely going to be moving up to flyweight, and then hopefully I can pick up a title of flyweight, and then I'll be going to uh, super flyweight, and then I'll be going to bantamweight as well. So my main aim is to be a multi world champion. Yeah, multi weight world champion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's of course. And, and finally, finally, Andrew, asking everyone about this. To be honest, right now, I'm asking everyone about it. Joshua against Klitschko. This is a fight that um, has definitely peaked my interests and a lot of other boxing fans worldwide. How do you see that one playing out? To be honest, I could see Anthony Joshua winning it um, if he don't knock him out. I could see a, a late knockout or maybe an early knockout, but if he don't knock him out, I think he'd just be the busier guy because Klitschko, he's obviously past his best and I think he's, when he boxed Tyson, he was a bit scared to let his hands go. And with a fresh opponent like Anthony Joshua, he's really fast. And I think you just struggle with Joshua's speed and stuff. Yeah. Now, most people are going with Joshua anyway, but again, a really exciting fight that we're all looking but forward Klitschko, to. But yeah. Klitschko, he has got the experience. He could take it into later rounds, but I just think Joshua is just another, another talent. Like. Yeah. Yeah. Again, such an intriguing fight. And finally, Andrew, I just want to give you a chance to thank anyone in particular or any sponsors or anything like that just before we let you go. Yeah, I want to thank all my sponsors. Obviously, it's, I've got quite a few to name, but um, without their help, I wouldn't be where I am now and they help me with my training kit and, and stuff. And obviously, I want to thank my trainers and managers and fans, mm -hmm. obviously. Yeah, and of course, your brother as well. Yeah, definitely. He, he helps me out all the time. He's basically my, one of my main sparring partners. So, yeah, thank him too. <laughs> excellent stuff okay Andrew listen it's always a pleasure mate you know this yourself good luck for Saturday night say hello to your brother for me when he does arrive and we'll catch up again in the near future okay thank you very much 
Okay, now it's time to conclude the 68th edition of the Box Hard Boxing Podcast. I've been your host, Joey Coastman. A special thank you to our two guests on this week's show, both pure gents, Andrew Selby and Jimmy Mack Jr. Thanks for staying with me throughout this week's episode. Remember to subscribe to us on iTunes to keep updated with all of our newest shows that come out each Thursday. We'll be back next week with another big show. As always, enjoy your weekends, stay safe, and we'll see you next time.